Good morning, diners and other denizens of the food culture and drink culture. You're yeah, listening to food, On the Menu. Food today, right? Yeah, we're going to be doing um, products, food products. Uh, you're listening to On the Menu with Ann and Peter Haig, and we're going to be talking about um, new products, or relatively new products on the market that happen to be on trend for being good for you. Uh, to start out, um, Peter's been ODing on a product. Um, it's actually, uh, it's Mr. Lee's noodles. <clears throat> Mr. Yeah. Lee's Pure Foods yeah. is the correct title. And uh, there is a Mr. Lee, Damien Lee, um, who, who lives in Bournemouth, England, for reasons exactly. that are not, not entirely clear. Right. But, it, but, it, but, it's, but it's all about instant, pre- yeah, instant noodles. Noodles. And, and they're good. And I'm almost through the, I'm almost through the case of them. But, but you need to slurp, and it's fun slurping. Yes, we're going to be talking to Damon, Damien Lee. Um, Damien, you, you, your company is called Lee Fine Foods? Mi- uh, Mr. Lee. Lee's Pure Foods, uh, but Pure. we're commonly known as Mr. Lee's Noodles. Yes, and um, why everybody is in love with noodles. <laughs> I don't really know why, but I am too. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, certainly from my point of view, I'm really glad everyone loves noodles. Um, I guess it's just one of those... Um, Great sort of uh, comfort foods. Uh, it's easy to throw together. You can cook it at home. You can throw lots of different ingredients, and there's so many varieties um, and influences around a good noodle. Uh, it's yeah, people just love it. Now you're 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 not exactly in the noodle capital of the world, however. <laughs> Are you in London? <laughs> No, I'm not too far out of London. Uh, we're based uh, as, a, as a business uh, in a seaside town on the southwest coast of England called Bournemouth. So we're about one hour oh, 45 wow. minutes okay. oh, we know from London driving. Yeah, you know we, just talk, we just talked to somebody from Bournemouth not too long ago. Yeah, who was that? Oh, wow. somebody, okay. somebody just written a cookbook. Yeah. Really? Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Peter, I, I understand you're from England originally, right? I'm from Yorkshire where the pudding comes from. <laughs> and, and, okay. and I, I lived. I lived in London in an era that became called the swinging sixties. Oh, <laughs> I wish I was there. <laughs> and that, mean, that means I'm very old. The King's Road and all that. Yeah. <laughs> now, it, interestingly enough, I was I was just looking it up so I can remember the number. We we had absolutely the most spectacular noodles at a restaurant in London called Shari U. It's a chain of small chains. Yeah, yeah, they have like five restaurants. Exactly. They, they exactly. have a um, the the niece of the owner um, is a sake sommelier. So <laughs> we got to learn a lot yeah. too. <laughs> so so we, wow. we got lo- we got loaded from several different directions. <laughs> amazing, amazing. <laughs> but you know your. Your um, instant noodles are a far cry, to say the very least, from what we all had in college. <laughs> what were those things? I'm glad you, you know what I'm that. talking about. <laughs> I you certainly know. do, and that was uh, that was really the, the core reason why I created my my product and brand because uh, I wanted to change all that perception and and get beyond the, the college food, cheap, nasty noodle, and, 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 and make a better-for-you experience. Well, uh, you've done that, and, and it couldn't be easier is the other thing. Um, Peter, it's his go-to lunch at this point. Good. Yeah, the, other, the, other thing, the only thing I haven't figured out is how to slurp droplet-less. <laughs> <laughs> You can slurp away, don't worry. Because I, sl- that, I, si- I sit at the purple table in the kitchen and I slurp. And, <laughs> and, I do the and same. It, you should see my white shirt. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but but how, how did this happen? You, you, you're, you're not originally from, from Bournemouth. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm originally from Sydney, Australia. And, Are you from uh, Sydney? Yes, you I probably am. Know, yeah, yeah. You and probably I know David Thompson, right? You live in right? Australia, too. 
Uh, David, it, no, I don't. And look, but I, I, I've moved from Australia. I've been in England quite a few years now. I've still got the accent, though. Australian you accent. still have the Australian um, accent. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah um, we, we lived in um, Geelong. In fact, in Geelong, Geelong. And we're, okay. we're negotiating with a, a chef um, who uh, we never got. We were in... Um, at the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival a couple of years ago, and we never got to um, this guy's restaurants. What's it called again, Robert? Igneous, I think, or something like that. And but it's it's a Michelin star big deal restaurant. And oh, I'll tell you, we didn't have that in Geelong when I lived there. <laughs> well, listen, right, we, right. We got to go back to Damien. So anyway, the the first part of the story is you you were born in Australia. And then you moved to London? That's right. That's right. So I'm born, born in, 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 in Australia. Funny, I'm born in Melbourne, but grew up uh-huh. in Sydney, so I call myself a Sydneyite. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've been an entrepreneur pretty much all my life. And I moved from Australia, you know, I, I was 26, I think I was at the time. I decided to make a bit of a life change and, and moved over to Europe. I lived in Sweden for a while and, uh, and then moved over to the UK. And said, I've, literally my whole life, I've, I've kind of, I'm a restless soul, I would say. And uh, I, I would describe myself as unemployable. Um, so I'm kind of one of these people that have to create my own, my own job, in a sense, because no one else will have me. And um, I'm always looking at things of how things can be done better, uh, how I can disrupt things. Uh, and, and, and literally the, the businesses that I've dreamt up, created uh, around the world to date, have generally always been in, in businesses that I've never had any prior experience in. And uh, look, I've had businesses ranging from uh, restaurants and bars and nightclubs um, in Australia and Sweden and in the UK. I've had uh, a marketing company and advertising companies back home in Australia. I've had a maritime satellite communications company, which I founded. It's now... Uh, the second largest in the world, in fact. Oh, really? Um, but I sold out of that one way too early. <laughs> Otherwise, Uh-oh. I'd be sitting on my <laughs> island. Um, but, uh, gosh, I've had a security companies operating in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, you know, I've had a military background as well in the past. All sorts of things. Um, I moved, funny enough, from London. I used to live in London in Chelsea a number of years back, and I moved down from London to Bournemouth, where, where we are now, um, to start uh, an internet startup company, a dot-com that I, I dreamt and, and dreamt up and, and really had a long-time ambition to do. That was called Design Gadgets. And um, about well, nine, 10, 11 months... Yeah, it was really interesting. So I was kind of working with, at the time, sort of the, the crowdfunding platforms like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, um, and we were sort of taking sort of new tech, new ideas, and the idea was that we would sort of bring them into the market. That's another story anyway. Um, that I was about 11 months into that business, and I'd self-funded that business, and I had about 20, 30 people sort of working around the business at the time, and I'd just secured my big external round of outside funding, and uh, I was dropped to bombshell at about 11 months in, and um, I was diagnosed with late stage 4 cancer. And, oh, no. Uh, at the time, yeah, when I saw the doctors, they said, look, you know, uh, you know, here's the news, um, and you've probably only got a few weeks left because it's, it's quite oh, well progressed. It was in my chest, yeah, and spread to my stomach. And uh, I'm also a single full-time dad of two young boys, and uh, that news gets you pretty focused. And uh, that was just over five years ago now, and uh, their few-week prediction wasn't right. But that was the catalyst for change for me because, look, as a, as a, as a busy entrepreneur all my life, time poor as, as, as entrepreneurs and busy people, and most of us nowadays are, I tended to take a lot of shortcuts to eating. Um, you know, I've always known about, you know, good eating and, and trying to eat well all, all through my life. But as I said, when you're racing around and you're taking shortcuts, and, yeah. and, and because my dad was originally from Singapore, um, I grew up around oriental cooking and food all my life. And, uh, and one of my biggest guilty pleasures was Instant noodles. <laughs> I, can't, okay. I didn't particularly. T- <laughs> yeah. and I so didn't that's how we got to noodles. That's how we got to noodles. I, you know, they were uh. they tasted okay. They were convenient. I didn't particularly care what was in them, and um, so I ate lots of them. 
And uh, when I was given my diagnosis, um, I knew at the time, I thought, wow, if I'm going to get through this and have any chance of getting through this, I need to change everything. And that included my diet. And at the time, I decided to go raw. Um, I cleaned up all my eating. I took all the nasties out of my diet, all the salts, you know, saturated fats, preservatives, you name it, sugars, etc., and, uh, and got on with the battle ahead. And, uh, and that's what wow. I did. And, uh, and, and uh, luckily enough, I took all the treatments and everything they threw at me as well. But uh, 12 months later, I came out the other side and I was declared in complete remission. How, and, that's a miracle. Well, I'll tell you more about that later. Um, but anyway, I lost my business. I lost design gadgets. And um, it was literally at that moment when I was, came out the other side and I was sitting on a beach uh, with my boys. And so, wow, what am I going to do now? Do I, you know, get a job, God forbid? Or uh, <laughs> do I try and get design gadgets going again? Um, but everybody had filtered off and, you know, started new lives and new jobs. Or do I do something new? And uh, I relished the challenge of doing something new. Now, here's the backstory. If you, it's going to take another minute, I promise. But here's the backstory because this was really important. I had done a business trip to China um, when I was doing design gadgets, for, uh, related to design gadgets. But while I was actually in China, I, I met two Chinese, well, I'd actually know, known of them anyway, but uh, I met up with two Chinese brothers, um, business, very successful businessmen in China. And one of their businesses they owned was China's fifth largest instant noodle manufacturer. Oh. And they took me for a tour of their factory at the time, and they showed me around all their instant noodle manufacturing and so on. And they were telling me on the factory floor, they said, look, you know, we make 5 billion instant noodles a year, but that's just for our local market. We sell 5 billion instant noodles just in China. But we would really like to start opening up and exporting our product into Europe and the UK. And you live in the UK. Would you be interested in helping us bring our brand and product into the UK? Uh-huh. And I said at the time, I said, look, you know, I said, look, I don't know anything about noodles outside of eating them. I don't know anything about retail. And by the way, I've got my own startup company, but I'm flattered. Thank you for the offer, but no thanks. And it was kind of that pregnant moment, pause moments on the, on the floor when a little bit uncomfortable and silent when I sort of kind of turned down the offer. And I said, but by the way, you know, which is your favorite instant noodle? I was just trying to make conversation again, you know, surrounded by all the boxes. And one of the brothers literally turned to me and he smiled and he said, Damien, we don't eat our own noodle. And I said, what? What do you mean? And he said, well, if you knew what we put in them, you wouldn't too. Oh, no. (laughs) Did I just hear that? Did I just hear that right? He's the owner of a food company. I'm in his factory, and he's telling me he doesn't need his own noodle because of what he puts in them. And I said, said, but what, what do you mean? And he said, well, there's nothing real we can put in our product. I said, why not? And he said, look, it's really simple. He said, you know, five years ago or whatever it was, 10 years ago here in China, there was something like 300 instant noodle manufacturers. He said, today, there's less than whatever the number was, you know, 50, 60 of us left still today. And I said, you're kidding. But why is that? And he said, look, everybody's competing so much on margin. Everyone's dumbing down their product. No one can afford to put anything real in these products. And I was like, wow, because here was wow. I, the guy that ate tons of instant noodles growing up, like a, a, lot, of, a lot of young people. Yeah, um, I thought, wow. <laughs> so I kind of, yeah, I took that away with me and went back and, you know, carried on with dying gadgets. But it was when I was on the beach and I thought, what am I going to do now? And I thought maybe for a moment I do need to do a new business. Maybe I could be that guy for those Chinese brothers and bring their noodles over to Europe. And that's when I looked and researched the size and the opportunity of the instant noodle market around the world. And I very quickly realized, wow, it's a big, big market. You know, over yeah. 100, 120 billion noodles are being sold and consumed around the world each year. But I quickly realized in my research, too, that they're all in that big race to the bottom. They're all dumbing down their product. It's all junky and nasty. There's nothing nutritious. There's nothing good. There's nothing real in these noodles. And I thought, well, here's the opportunity I'm not going to join the race to the bottom. In fact, I'm going to create my own instant noodle but go completely the opposite way. I'm going to create the world's tastiest, healthiest, and costliest instant noodle for all the right reasons, which will be some of the lowest in sugars, the lowest in salts, no preservatives, no nasties, nothing artificial, using real freeze-dried ingredients, and so on and so on. And that was the beginning of me with the idea of thinking, 
I'm going to do my own instant noodle brand because, you know, I'm a big believer in you are what you eat now. And, mm-hmm. and that was for me, I wanted to create a better for you product that lots and lots of people could eat guilt-free and one that I can eat. That was it. So that was the, the short one-minute version. <laughs> well, that's amazing. I mean, there's so many places you want to, to stop and review. I mean, you truly believe that your clean eating um, cured your cancer. Well, look, I, you know, I don't want to say it cured my cancer. I know what worked for me. And, yeah. you know, I think a positive mindset, um, I took all the treatment the doctors gave me as well, but I did clean up my body and my well-being, and I think it's really important, you know, that diet plays a big part of, of wellness uh, and nutrition, and, and beating cancer and having a good immune system is very, very important. So, uh, yes, it, you know, I believe everything I did worked for me, and it's not the first cancer. I've had cancer four times subsequently since that diagnosis. Really? Three more times. Yeah, and in fact, I've just finished a, a chemo cycle a few days ago. Um, I'm in my 75th treatment now. Um, I feel great. Um, You know, I'm too busy for cancer. Um, I run my businesses. We're expanding globally. And, uh, you know, I I, I duck in and do my treatments when I need to and and continue. So uh, it's just part of my life is my cancer journey. No kidding. But that's why I'm a big advocate for good eating. An old, old friend of mine, he used to be on my squash team. He's a Frenchman called David Servan Shriver, and he he wrote a book about your about his experience, which is very like your mm-hmm. experience. And, and don't forget the vanilla queen Patricia Rain. Yeah, she yeah. she had terminal cancer, and she turned it all around with a diet. Well, listen, sweetheart, we we should we should help this man sell some. Noodles, noodles, yeah, that's the noodles. Well, you know, you know the um, the fast noodles that we used to get in college. You could taste that they were junk. Now, your product, mm-hmm. you could taste this high quality. What are some of the the aspects of it that, that you 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 make it seem like it's homemade? What do you do? Yeah, look, for me, when I wanted to create my noodle, I thought, how do I make a restaurant, almost a restaurant quality or, you know, street food quality experience in an ambient format in a cup that you just need to rehydrate with hot water. And that was the challenge. Um, and I thought, wow, how am I going to do that? So, so part of that for me was, you know, it starts with the noodle cake. And uh, you'll, you'll know in our current range of products, we use rice noodle cakes, so they're naturally gluten-free. So all our range, by the way, is certified gluten-free. Yeah. Um, and they're authentic. Uh, we, we have them produced in Vietnam, the actual noodle cake. So they're authentic rice from Vietnam. And that's, that's where we start, about having the, a good quality noodle. Because you'll probably know most of those typical nasty ramens in a cup, they're, they're, they're fried, deep fried uh, yeah. wheat noodles and they're made fried in palm oil and all, all these good, yeah. nasty things. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's, the next step is what we put into the cup around the seasoning and, and the other ingredients. Again, um, the seasonings, we only use natural herbs and spices and seaweeds and so on. Nothing, no preservatives, no MSGs, nothing like that. It's just all natural. Um, but some of the, the piece de resistance is the real vegetables and the real beefs and chickens that we use in, in, our, in our products. And uh, I mentioned earlier that I spent time in the military uh, once upon a time. And I remembered for me when I, I, I thought, wow, how do I get these great ingredients that taste almost fresh when you can rehydrate them? And I, I quickly discovered that dehydrated ingredients, which most of our competitors tend to use um, in their products, when you're dehydrating uh, these ingredients, you're sucking out all the goodness. There's, there's nothing particularly good. You're sucking out the shape and integrity of the ingredient, even when it's rehydrated. And really what they become is just filler in the product. There's nothing, no, no value, no, no nutritional value in it. So I knew from my military days, what I used to get in my military ration packs was freeze-dried ingredients. And freeze-drying is a different process to, to dehydrating. It's a more expensive process. But what it does it locks in all the protein, it locks in most of the nutritional value, it locks in all the flavor, it keeps the shape and the integrity of the ingredients. So when it is rehydrated, 
the broccoli looks like it was just plucked out of the field, you know, uh, the day before. It's so fresh and comes up like a, you know, restaurant quality experience. So, so it's about premiumizing our ingredients, and we use lots of it. And it's also how I make the product. Okay, that's another thing. Um, generally, when these ramens go down a production line, they just have one big hopper, all the seasonings thrown into a big hopper, all the bits of unidentifiable dehydrated ingredients are also mixed in, and it just gives a single drop, a quick spurt of whatever it is, 12, 13 grams of ingredients, into the cup, noodle nest in, seal and go. And that's your experience. Sometimes they'll be using nasty little plastic sachets with bits and bobs in there as well. We use, we use no plastic sachets. Everything's open and present inside the cup as well because we're also environmentally friendly. And huh. our process is in a Mr. Lee's product, we will always measure every single individual ingredient. So, for example, in our, in our street beef, Hong Kong street beef, we will dose five grams of, of beef. You know, four grams of broccoli, and each each drop measures individually the ingredients. So you'll always have this nice balanced experience. You'll always get whatever the the dosing is of of seasoning. For example, in the Hong Kong street beef, you'll get 11 grams of seasoning of beef, and it's all individually dosed. So it's actually quite a complex process, even to make a Mr. Lee's on a production line. To the naked eye, it just looks like another product with stuff inside a cup. It's actually the way we make it is actually a time-consuming process for our co-packers as well uh, that have to make it. And, and it's an expensive process because you have a, this big production line that's got to almost pharmaceutically measure these light ingredients to get it into the cup. So it's a very, very different experience overall um, to any other instant noodle company today. And, uh, you know, the, the, the experience, and, and actually if you take a Mr. Lee's and you, you decant it from the cup and put it into a bowl, yes, um, okay. so you, you know, you put the hot water in, then put it into a bowl and take the plastic cup away and serve it to somebody. And we've done this many times around the world uh, with consumers that have never had a Mr. Lee's before. And we'll ask them, how do you think that was made? And, and nine times out of ten, we will always have somebody say, well, look, you, someone's made that. It's a, it's, a, it's a noodle, right? You've had a chef or someone make that. And so, well, how about if it, you know, it come out of this cup? And they're like, what? So, and, and that was the challenge to get this fresh, almost restaurant-like quality experience from a cup. And, and, and hopefully, you know, we're, we've come close to that. I think I think I think you have now. Now here here's the here's the good news, listeners. We haven't we haven't yet covered the the issue of how you get to be able to eat Damien Lee's noodles, but you can. You sure can. <laughs> now to, so, um, give give the yeah. secret away. Of where you can get it? Yes. Yeah. Well, look, in America, we've just launched in America, so I'm really super proud to say we've literally just launched in America in the last few weeks. Um, it, we spent a year, almost a year and a half, preparing our entry into the U.S. market because um, we make our product in America. We don't import it. Um, so, you know, here in the U.K., we make our product in the U.K. for the U.K. European market. And I also have an office in Australia, which makes our product for the Australian and Asian market. But in America... Really proud that we, we make our product in sunny California uh, with real American beef and real American chickens. And one of our key partners to launch with in America was for us was to have that right comp uh, retailer behind us that backed us um, and endorsed us as a premium, good, healthy product is Whole Foods America, Whole Foods Markets. So we've just launched nationally in all Whole Foods stores across America, and that's the beginning. So we have, uh, as, as, as the year will tick away, we have more and more partners that we'll be retailing and launching with. But right now, you can get us on Whole Foods or on MrLeesNoodles.com website. Um, we'll have them delivered to your door as well. And very shortly, we'll also be turning on Amazon. Uh, I believe Thrive Markets will be going online with Thrive in September. And, uh, and there's lots of other retailers now that we're just finalizing. Well, you uh, have a good track record, and this is going to continue it, I think. I think you have another success in your hands. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and we're, we're real pleased that we discovered that this. And uh, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to give up the junk stuff I used to buy. <laughs> 
let's just encapsulate it, sweetheart. Let's just encapsulate it for for Damien and for our listeners around the world. Nice guys finish first. Uh. <laughs> there Thank we go. You. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for bringing out your dynamic story to our listeners, and we wish you great success. Not not like you really need it. Yeah, you've got a lot of charm on top of everything. So, <laughs> so continued yeah, success. I am Thank you. Oh yeah, Damien. Thank Very nice so talking much. to you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank and, you. Uh, pleasure. And uh, next time in the States, hopefully I'll get a chance to meet you guys too. But uh, thank Great. you so much for having me. And we'll be right back after a short break with a sweet treat rather than a savory treat. So don't go away because we'll be right back. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Paul Morgan has an interesting story and also an interesting company with an interesting name. It's called Be Conscious Artisanal Honey. But you have to see it spelled out to really understand it. It's capital B-E-E, then the second word, capital K, apostrophe, O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S. And, and it's pure honey. And it's pure honey. And, and if you don't know the difference, he's going to tell us. Well, we're going to learn a lot more about bees, which I'm always anxious to do, by talking to Matt Colmorgan, who has, like, an exceptional, exceptional company um, for honey called Bee Conscious with a K. I guess that matches the K in Colmorgan. Uh Artisanal honey. Matt, tell us how old your business is. Uh, we are almost brand new. We the the idea actually came to light um, about a year ago, almost to the day uh, when I when I talked to my partner about starting it. We've been having the conversation for years. Um, he he knows a lot about the the honey world. I've always had an affinity for honey and for food. Um, that's kind of how it started was conversations over years, becoming closer and closer friends, and then we decided to go into business together really last end of last May, right after Labor Day. Really? And we actually sold our first jar of honey uh, right before Thanksgiving. You're kidding. Oh, that's amazing. Now, what made yep. you want to do that? It's just always I've always loved honey, and I and I tell people this like kind of jokingly, and 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 but also ultimately it's it's serious. I my first remembrance of honey was when I was a very young kid, and my parents would take me to McDonald's, and I'd have honey packets with my chicken nuggets. <laughs> uh, so that's that's where my palate started. Um, but and then as I you know went through college and began working and having a professional career, I've got to travel to all these places, and I always, I've always loved honey, and I've always tried different stuff and began to see the uniqueness of it and began to envision it almost like people do different varietals of wine. People don't realize, you know, the, the bee pollinating a, a certain flower pulls a, a flavor of nectar out that it can be very, very unique, and that's what we try to, try to bring out in all the honeys we have is keep them single origin so when you taste it, you can tell what flower it comes from, and that's it's really awesome. So that's just kind of how I got into it as an ultimate passion for it. it was, I love bees, so that's you know that's part of it. Ever since I read that book about the the bee, what was it called? Mm, something, of, something of bees. The spiritual life of bees, or something of bees. But anyhow, I became uh, really enamored with bees, and then the secret we, life of bees. I think it was. Secret Life of Bees, that was it. And then and they're and then, fascinating creatures. Yeah, and, and then we, uh, in London, we stayed at a hotel that, uh, going to our room, you passed a, um, a, a, a roof area um, that had hives on it. And we got to interview the um, beekeeper who runs most of the, the big important hives on top of buildings in um in london and um and in fact this particular they served the honey 
with T, and Peter commented on it that the bees had have a, a super spread feast on because they were flying around the gardens of Buckingham Palace. <laughs> but this woman knew all these things about bees and how they do dances, and this. so I've just been fascinated. It is absolutely now, fascinating, and, and throughout my journey, I've got to meet way too many beekeepers, um, and you always learn something because they always want to be able to share their trade, and you see it's just it's, they're fascinating creatures, the way that they operate and how they survive the winter by coming together and, and generating heat. Um, they're, they're just they're, they're wild, wildly smart. Yeah, they are, and they have little dances that, that, that like a language. So, okay, so now a lot of people are used to honey. Um, it's a common sweetener in, in this country and around the world. You, you're doing something very different. You're doing raw honey. Explain the difference. First of all, explain what honey is, and then the difference between your honeys and the commercial kind you get in supermarkets. Well, for sure. So, I mean, honey is is is, is made by the bees. Um, you know, they they pull nectar from a flower and and put it back into the hive, and essentially it's their food source, but they create so much of it that they will never use it all. Um, so that's why the, when the beekeepers can come in and we get to ultimately delo- uh, enjoy this delicious treat that they create. What a lot And, of, of course, if you're realize, vegan, you can't eat that because you're taking it from the bees, right? Well, that's, um, it, that is it, maybe true for some, but I have known many vegans that eat this honey. Really? And, okay. eat, and do eat other honeys. Yep. Um, so it, I guess it depends on the strictness or say, per se, but mm-hmm. I, know, I know personally several of them that do eat, um, do eat honey. Now, Matt, we've, we've been worrying for years over, over this colony collapse disorder. What, what's the latest on that whole story, which, which sounds really scarily bad? Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of different, um, whether it's mites or, or fowl brood that, that can cause disruption in a hive, and that's something that the beekeepers are constantly battling. And, um, you know, not being a beekeeper myself, I don't know all of, the, all of the, the, the nitty-gritty details of it, but I just know from experience and my conversations with the beekeepers that we partner with, it's, a, it's an ongoing battle. Um, and, and I think, you know, some of them concern, it's, it's, it's like, battling the difference between putting dollars in their pockets to support their businesses and and, and and they use their bees for pollination so they're transporting them all over the country and you know if somebody's bees are infected somewhere it can cause all of this stuff to trickle down to these all these, all these other pollinators so that's I know that's a concern for some um, it's, so it's an, it's an ongoing battle 50% of the population roughly dies off every year and they got to gener- generate new hives. And now they have these, uh, are they killer hornets? Which are the ones that um, snap the heads off the bees? Yep, that's, uh, that's something new that they're battling now, too, in certain parts of the country. Yeah, murder hornets or something like that. Yep. What we need. So, I mean, in, in, in terms of, of our honey, we try to keep it single origin and, and keep it to the hive that it comes from. Um, so the difference, I'd say, between something that maybe we do with our honey versus what what people are generally used to, right? And I and I always try to explain this when I do honey tasting and honey tasting events. Is think about the honey that you're used to in the store. It all looks golden in color. It all looks the same. Generally, it all tastes the same, and that's that's completely by design. Um, it, it's all the way that the commercial packers do it today. Is that many of them they'll buy. You know, not to say they don't buy quality honey. They sure do. But then they also they also buy really really low quality honey that you can get for twelve cents a pound, and they blend all that stuff together, and it looks a certain way. They blend it to make it look a certain color, and they blend it to kind of have it taste a certain way. And it and they're they can they can capitalize, and their margins are much much higher when they're able to do it that way, and they can pump out massive massive volumes. At the same time, a lot of them are heating honey um, because it just it it, it runs faster. Um, think about the honey that you eat, if, you know, if you pull it out of your cupboard and stick a spoon in it, it's going to be uh, more viscous, right? But if, the, if you warm it up, it becomes more liquefied. Um, so they heat it to higher, high, higher and higher temperatures, um, so it runs almost like water, 
So their filling process is, is, uh, can be dramatically different. Um, so that's kind of commercial packing and the way that they do it. Sometimes they mix corn syrups with it and other oh, sweeteners. Awesome. To, um, and one thing that I, I will ask, and uh, I'm not saying that everybody does it, um, but there are people that do it. Um, you can test the honey in the store and, and probably find that. Um, but rarely do you see honey on the shelf that's crystallized. Rarely. Right. And you said that it's perfectly normal. In fact, it's good to have it crystallized. Exactly. So rarely yeah, do you see it crystallized. Um, if you take a jar of honey and you put even a, a drop of corn syrup in it, it will, it will rarely ever crystallize. So there's something going on with it, right? So that's part of it. Um, in addition, um, the way that they strain and they filter out all the pollens in, in the honey. Um, the way that, that we do it and some other folks that sell raw honey do it, um, is you keep it pure to its form. You, you, you take out all the big chunks like the bee parts and the pieces of the, of the hive that made it out, but you don't filter out uh, really fine particles of pollens that are in the honey. Um, so because of yeah, that, I don't like the bee parts thing. I don't oh, like yeah, having the bee does, parts. It, sometimes it doesn't have a great odor to it. Uh, you know so what I do, you know what I do Matt? Stuff. When, I, when, I, when I started a, a, a jar of honey, which I frequently do, when there's space available at the top, I, t- I, turn, the j- I turn the jar up upside down. Okay. So we'll, so, we'll, so we'll collect towards the top of the, of the bottle, which means you can spoon it out a whole lot easier. <laughs> oh, yes, for sure. Yes, no doubt. No doubt. Go for it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know what she's, I don't know what she's laughing about. I think it's funny. <laughs> It is funny. No, but absolutely. No, everybody's got their own tricks of the trade. Um, yeah. So that's one thing. Now, what, why, is it, why is it that you're never supposed to give it to babies? Um, so because of the certain bacteria that, that's in it. Um, so, I mean, if you have pasteurized honey, probably okay um, to do it. But uh, it's for um, all the bacteria that, that, are, that are in it. You don't want your babies... Uh, under 12 months of old, 12 months of age, their immune system is not strong enough. I see. Okay, okay. that's the deal, huh? But now they're they're honeys that are medicinal as well. I mean, I somebody sent us some um, what's it called, mamuka, mamuka honey, which is an antiseptic, or an, you, you put it on wounds. Yes, that's very popular. Uh, it's from New Zealand, typically. Yeah. Uh, typically also very expensive, honey. Um, yes, it is. It's good. As a, t- a lot of people do use it as a top. Um, a lot of honey across the world has been used that way for centuries. Uh, people have been using it. Well, it's not just Manuka honey. It's all, all honey, um, essentially, people have used on it. Um, you can go to Europe. I know that, uh, Peter, you're from, you're from there, but I know that um, in places like Italy, I had an instructor for a honey class. He talked about meeting people and knowing people that have used it to to heal wounds. Um, So it's not just Manuka honey, but I know that that's one of the selling points in the marketing that they've done. Um, They've done a great job of it. They don't let anybody uh, export it uh, really to to market it themselves. It's all sold directly from New Zealand, so that's why it's so pricey. Yeah, but it's... (laughs) Yeah, it's it's also expensive to do an interview <laughs> that far away and <laughs> across all those time zones. Yeah, so. Um, no, it it seems seems to me that one of the most difficult parts of your business has to has to be the fact that it's it's an internationally traded substance. I mean, how, how do you make how do you make the contacts that allow you to find two super duper honeys in Brazil? For heaven's sake. Yep. So we'll actually, uh, in the next month, we'll have five Super Duper Honeys from Brazil. Um, but we're fortunate that um, we have connections that um, have been importers um, and exporters, and uh, we're able to introduce us to individuals at New Beekeepers. Um, so as a matter of, a net, of our network that started the introduction process, and from there, we, will, we were able to expand that. Um, so that's how we're able to find, you know, whether it's beekeepers in. Right now we, we have several partners in Brazil, um, and I'll mention in a minute why we went to Brazil. We have some partners in Canada. 
Um, and then we also have partners domestically here in the United States. Um, yeah, we have some of that sage honey, California. The sage honey is one, and I'll talk about that's a very sought-after honey because uh, the sage flower, it doesn't flower every year because of the droughts in Southern California. So it's a very sought-after honey. A lot oh, of uh, wow. chefs like to cook with it because although our raw honeys tend to crystallize rather quickly, um, sage in general has a lower glucose content. So um, I would I would be very surprised if that jar of honey you have ever crystallizes. Um, so that's a unique trait of the sage honey. As long as I can get the spoon in the jar, it'll be fine. <laughs> ah, that's why we use a wide mouth jar feeder. <laughs> Good <man. laughs> So as you can tell, he's the big honey eater in this household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't gotten to yours yet. See, I didn't, I didn't know it was a wide mouth jar because I haven't gotten there yet. That's great. Tell us about this so, packaging. The packaging oh, yeah. was really clever. You so had one little. Of the was it, is we wanted to focus on organic honey, so we started in Brazil. You can't really find organic U.S. honey, um, so that was the original the business is we wanted to start with organic honey because it's hard to find and it's hard to find really good organic honey. Um, so we went outside the United States, but because of that and our, our, our idea behind finding really quality organic behind our name, our name Be Conscious, it's we're always conscious of the beekeeper. So we're beekeeper conscious. It's kind of a play on the words as well as oh, nice. the beginning and my, my last name. Um, but so every jar of our honey can be traced directly to the to the hive. So we always pay homage to the beekeeper who harvested your jar of honey. Um, so with that, it's all this artisanal factors, and because of that, we wanted just a, something that expressed what our brand was about. And uh, we were fortunate enough to have uh, somebody that came up with this pretty much on the fly as we're describing our idea. And uh, from that point, we were like, "This is this is it." Um, so we kind of knew right away. Well, um, it's it's amazing that I mean you did it all in, in the space of a year too. I mean, there are companies that work on putting this, their act together for <laughs> five six years easily. Oh, for sure. Um, but we're just trying. You know, we're brand new. We're just we're trying to uh, make a name for ourselves and provide a really high quality product and um, and see what happens. Well, now, where can people where can people get some? Uh, people can get some. Uh, right now, we sell it on our website, so we're an e-commerce-based uh, business. We're, of course, always willing to expand, but that's that's our, our, our mode right now. And it's B as in boy, K as in kite, S as in Sam, honey.com. So bkshoney.com um, is our website, and you can check it out there. Right. I'm going I'm to be ODing on BKS, honey, starting, <laughs> starting very soon. And I'll, I'll think of you with every spoonful, Matt. Well, when you do, do uh, Peter, just think about it. When you taste them, t- try and think of the differences because you will notice the unique flavor of every honey that you have. Thank right. you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I'm looking forward. So are, are you continuing your search then, I guess, huh? Uh, for new we're honeys. always continuing our search. Yeah. Yes, we always try to expand and, and try new honeys. That, um, so we have right now we have two Brazilian organics. We have a, an unbelievable Montana clover. We have a California sage. Um, but in the next couple of weeks, we will have three more uh, Brazilian organic honeys. Uh, one of them is a Christmas berry. The other is a Brazilian mint. Um, and then we have oh, wow. sort of new versions of, of some of the other ones that are out there. Uh, but, yes, we're always looking to expand and grow. We have a linden honey coming from a beekeeper in Ohio, uh, which is, has a little bit of a menthol-y, minty flavor from the linden tree. Um, so we're trying to, yep, just try to bring different flavors, different uniqueness, because um, all of our honeys taste drastically different than any honey that you would find in the store. So and is, is it being well-received? Yeah, if, if, you want, if you want some honey from Buckingham Palace Gardens, We'll see if we can find a lady who can make that happen for us. Hey, we're all about it. Uh, we're all about meeting cool people and trying to try and really get honey. Yeah, our interviews. Matt, with thank, our thank you, thank you so job. much for for joining the program today. We, we wish you and your partner well. Yeah, thank Matt. you so much, and I really appreciate you guys having me on. Well, we enjoyed it. Enjoy. I love bees and honeys and the whole thing having to do with that too. So. Um, 
and, and the integrity that, that you represent through your company. So it was great talking to you, Matt, and um, uh, we will follow your success. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Yes, probably gets tired of Mike raving about how much I love him and his products. But hey, Richard LaSalle, take adoration where you can find it. And in this case, we have another one of those names that you have to see it and spell it out to really appreciate how clever it is. His new line is called Health Punk. It's Untube is the original company, and this is his sister company, called H-L-T-H-P-U-N-K, all caps. And you can be forgiven for thinking that this guy is totally crazy. He's also extraordinarily creative as well. Yes, it's so good again to be talking to you, Richard LaSalle. Um, Your line, or your company, is called OnTube, which is the first products we got were um, different sauces and tubes. Uh, right. Now you have a whole new line, uh, which I'm assuming is part of them tube, called Health Punk, spelled H-L-T-H-P-U-N-K, right? Correct. It's a sister brand. A sister brand. Now, tell us what the essence is of this new line. Uh, the, the essence is, is to focus more on health and diet and wellness and the sustainability and the and the um, the community and our planet. Um, OnTube was more about chefs and, and uh, cooking, and Health Punk is a much broader look at the world. So we wanted to open up the concept of not just using a product, but actually becoming something, so creating a culture. Like um, We'd like people to become Health Punks, to be self-declared Health Punks, Oh. Um, and actually make a make a decision to help their community, help their health, improve their diet, and help the sustainability of the planet. Well, that's sort of front and center of what this whole um, specialty food industry is about right now, and the consumers uh, are about right now. So you're really right on target there. Um, yeah. How the did you decide on this? Is this with your brother again? Uh, yes. Well, well, basically, with OnTube, you know, we, we reached a, uh, a certain point where we realized that the uh, usability of our products was fairly low because it's such a concentrated niche item. Uh, and we wanted to open it up and open up our offerings uh, to a broader market. Um, so we wanted to tackle more mainstream items, but keep them innovative and keep them uh, keep the energy. So that's why we have the, um, the oat-based oat-based mayo, which is our first, the first world's first oat-based mayo, vegan mayo. Um, and we have some other uh, developments in the, in the will be coming out in the next year or so. Um, so we wanted to push the innovation side of the company more. Well, I mean, what you do, you do really well. Um, I let's see, we got six different things. One, two, three, four, five, six. There are two. Okay, there are two that we didn't get. One is a chocolate one, and the other one is an oat milk one. Are they both healthy? Yeah, the, the, the oat milk condensed creamer and the chocolate, they're still, we're holding those back because they have a different uh, distribution and marketing strategy. Uh, uh-huh. And we felt that launching with six was plenty of work. So we'll start with six in the same family, and then we'll uh, extend the family probably in the beginning of next year with the creamer and the chocolate ranges. I see. Okay. Now the uh, the the products themselves. You have. I mean, one of the things you do is. I mean, your presentation, your packaging, uh, your graphics, um, the the writing, um, the the copy that goes with them is all just top notch. Perfect, beautiful, gorgeous. Thank you. 
I mean, that's part of your image, right? Uh, that's part of where I come from as a as a an artist and a family family artist. Uh, um, you know, I, I, both parents are painters, and my grandparents are painters and chefs, and that's part of the the ethos, if you like, is to be art forward um, uh-huh. and to make to make food an all round sensory experience. So. It's not just about flavor. Flavor is super important, but it's also about the the feeling of the product, the visual of the product, you know, and what we say. Um, right now, so yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, um, are you saying that you are like uh, you are you the driver behind the design? Uh, yeah, they're my my doodles. I do I do doodles on Sunday mornings with my children, and then. It converts ah. to products. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the uh, literature you sent here was like superfood in a tube, delicious, right. nutritious, modern plant-based food innovations, uh, and you also you have all the hot button issues covered here: uh, sustainability, uh, flavor. Uh, real food, um, uh, the trending issues such as oats, of course, vegan. Uh, it, it, it's rather impressive, I must say. <laughs> how how well, you it's, it's, it's a strangely inappropriate, a strangely appropriate time to launch a, a new brand in a, in a rather difficult place. Time to launch it, but it's um... <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> It's, it's definitely challenging to, to yeah, get a new brand out there, um, but, it, but it, it hits all the markers. So we're hoping that we can start in this global crisis and, and you know, grow out of it with the, with the rest of the world as, as the world grows towards a healthier place. <laughs> I, I'm going to run through some of because they're so wonderfully presented. Like uh, we've been, by the way, squeezing them out on everything. <laughs> Peter made um, some. We had some. You know, Chef's Garden in Ohio. Anyhow, mm-hmm. we, we had wonderful uh, new uh, fingerling potatoes, and so Peter cooked them up. Um, I, I won't them, say. I, I fried them in duck fat. I, I, I wasn't going to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a vegan myself, so I'm, I, I'm going to break that. <laughs> So, but we started squeezing the sauces on them, and then I started mixing the sauces together. Well, wait a minute. I, I just I squeezed the stripe down the potato. Oh yeah. On the That's long, so on the long which angle. Color? Green, the green which one. Which color? The green one. The green one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're playing around with the the looks as well, huh? Well, they, well, they're not, I had a different, I had a different one at lunchtime. That was, that was uh, leftover sweet potatoes with the orange one. <laughs> so with the UFO sauce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they, I mean, they, they just taste, they just taste so wonderful. They, they'd even be good on cornflakes. I like the smoked harissa uh, myself, by the way. But yeah, well, that's, um, our, that's, that's our that's our 2.0 harissa. You know, basically we're Basically, as a product lineup, we're looking at um, we have the innovation products, the oat-based innovation products, so the the, the bionese, the alien, and the UFO. Um, then we have the smoked harissa, which we're using as a, a, a transitional product between OnTube and Health Punk. Um, okay. You know, essentially, people are buying on, still buying OnTube like crazy on on e-commerce. Um, but they're also saying, well, let's try the smoked version. So it's like an introduction to the brand through those channels. Um, and then we have the tomato, which is an entry-level staple, but it's quite superior. I don't know if you had a chance wonderful. to taste it. It's a pretty amazing tomato paste, and um, that's, that's introducing people to the brand for people who are cautious about trying new things. But everybody understands tomato in a tube, um, Paste, and this is like an organic, absolutely pure organic version, which has a quite a, an amazing flavor profile. So we're using that as an entry-level 
uh, introduction to the brand. Um, and then the mustard is just probably the best mustard in the world. I don't know if you tried it, but that's what yeah. I think. We've been, I've been <laughs> just going through the whole line. Um, I haven't, I haven't tried it yet, but it's coming soon. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, the, it's the, yeah. spicy and it's, it's intense and it's fantastic. Now, which well, Louis, which which King which King Louis always carried a, a bottle of King Louis the Eleventh, King Louis the <laughs> Eleventh, Louis, Louis Bourbon, <laughs> Louis Bourbon is, is his name, hence the LB. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, yeah, is he the, 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 the wonderful copy that goes along with it? Um, you know, like our impossibly awesome secret sauce that will knock your socks off from impossible to beyond. <laughs> it's just so wonderful. Yeah, and, we're, and we're, you know, we're riding on the riding on the sort of all, all these all these new plant-based meat companies are for some reason they're going intergalactic with their naming and their uh-huh. attitudes. So we're, we're we're sort of climbing on board that little uh, little road. Um, hopefully we can we can have everybody who eats an Impossible Burger have a bit of Impossible Impossible UFO sauce on the Impossible Burger. Um. It would probably it would probably be very good. We, we we had a sample of the Impossible meat. It just came through the mail as a trade sample, and we tried it, and it was really good. It's not bad, right? Well, it has all the seasonings in it. We put it up against plain old, um, you know, beef. But, but but you're right. But you're right. The uh, there's no there's no there's no question that your sauces would add something. Well, that's the you idea know, as well to give them a little boost to to help. You the know, your, your little doodles remind me of Peter Max. You know, sixties. Or was he seventies? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen his posters from the seventies or what? No, but that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like the little. The lady of the uh, BNA's vegan mayo too. That's uh, yeah. That's the little. That's called mayo. She's called mayo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why wouldn't she be yeah. called mayo? What, what I'm what I'm worried about is what you guys are going to do when you grow up. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll Peter Pan it all the way. <laughs> well, you know the. Uh, you you really dare to list all the ingredients, which is something not a lot of companies want to do. But um, I, I mean, you have so many super foods in here. Uh, and what what's that? What is that called? Like this ash Ashwagandha. 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 Ashwagandha is a root. It's a, an ancient ancient aloe uh, um, medicine root. Um, which has got extremely good health benefits. Um, and uh, it's a very popular thing right now in, in all sorts of health foods right. all over the place. What um, are they called, that whole classification of Chinese herbal stuff? Aloverdic. Yeah. No, no, not that. Something else they're called. It was like, it was like the name of a class of herbs or something like that. We 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 just we just talked to someone who re- referenced it in, in in a cookbook that she wrote, and yeah, I, rec- yeah. I recognized the sound of the name. I couldn't spell it with a damn. So, but you use all these wonderful superfood things like turmeric, and um, I yeah. mean, just, they're just all so hot right now. Um, well, are you indicating also, that you're? Pardon? No. Also, that things like turmeric. I mean, you can. You can take it in a, a pill, right? People take turmeric supplements, but you know, really, if oh. you integrate it with food, then you actually get the full benefit of it because it metabolizes. Uh huh. Yeah. No. Well, we we use it. We're having it on chicken tonight, actually. Um, the I, I like the the fresh root myself. Peter uses the powder, but I like the fresh root with black yeah, pepper. I love that. So um, when you say on it undiluted, I wasn't sure if if that was to say that you should dilute it, or I mean we did. We just <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no, no. Basically, basically, we uh, the undiluted part on the packaging is not going to be there on the the next round. So right okay. now we're in we're in production on a full 
100,000 to run. Um, and we've taken the undiluted off because it, it creates questions and it's confusing to people. So you're in a, a pre-production mode packaging there. Um, okay. Undiluted is basically the, the company that now owns both Health Punk and OnTube. So it's the, it's the mothership company. Oh, okay. Um, All right. But from a branding perspective, it's coming off the brand, yeah. No, I mean, this, the hot Dijon mustard is the hoot. That, is that one of your doodles with the hot dog and the yeah. teeth? Yeah, absolutely. Someone biting oh, a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, listeners, you may have gathered, you know, I totally love this guy. <laughs> and he's just, you know, all this product, and it's really fun. And he has such a great sense of humor. Um, this one, Smoked Harissa, which I liked, this is a deep, spicy thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, we've got, we've got uh, a little, little nod to Cuban cigars on the packaging. Yes. <laughs> So, well, no, how are you, did you test market these or what did you do? No, no, I don't like doing that. Um, uh, I, you know, the, the more opinions you get, the more confusing life becomes. Um, uh-huh. So sometimes it's best to go with what you feel is right and what you think is good and and hopefully you get it right. Um, and so that's what you're doing. No, well, yeah, while, I, while I was answering the door, did, did, we, did, we, did we ask... Uh, for the official information about where these products are available? No, 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 we, we haven't done do that, that yet. We didn't do that yet. How about, how do you get these? Is it um, mostly so, online right now? Right now, right now we're pretty much exclusively on Amazon. Okay. Um, simply, uh, simply because, the, because of the COVID situation, a lot of the smaller retail stores are still not open or, or are right. having very limited traffic um <clears throat> so you know going into going to your your little local grocery and standing in line and then calling in your order people don't know what it is and they're not really browsing so the, right no, you know, no you're right right now we're we're exposing primarily on amazon um and then basically that makes it accessible to everybody anywhere so that's, right, that's right, how we're starting right. to so um, the, uh, you're not doing online sales? Not from our own store. <clears throat> uh, primarily, we're doing online from our own store for wholesale. Um, <clears throat> the website's going to be up in about a week. Okay. Um, the direct consumer just singles. Uh, the, the cost of acquisition is extremely high. Um, oh, yeah, so when you're yeah, starting no. off. You know, when you're starting off a brand, it's it's really hard to gain traction on that. Oh, sure, um, sure, sure. So we're building traction with a with an understandable channel that everybody uses. Um, and I I, th- I think our tomato paste has been in number one new release on Amazon in tomato paste this last week. Really? Oh, that's good. And uh, the mustard and the smoked harissa were Amazon's choice in the last few days as well. So that they're all they're all doing their thing. Good. I mean, did did Anne put in a plea for the chocolate one? Oh, this is not well, going to be released yeah, yet. Yeah, you'll have to wait for that. Oh, <laughs> oh I see. It's not, it's not out yet, huh? Actually, Peter's no, the no. chocolate freak. <laughs> oh, the chocolate's amazing. The chocolate's amazing, and it's it's all natural. It's it's um, zero sugar. It's um, really creamy. That's why it's I was really it's so interested in because I read that. Yeah. I read the... Cocoa grenade, you call it. Yeah, it's a, it's a Nutella replacement. It's yeah. a healthy, better-for-you Nutella replacement that all yeah. your kids can eat all day long and feel good. Yeah, see, I, our kids are hooked on Nutella, and it has so many bad things in it that I look around specifically for... We we found one that was pretty good. I can't remember who made it. Um, mm. as, but... Um, but yeah, no. I mean, because they this is their go-to for uh, breakfast, you know. Tell on yeah, anything. but the trouble is, it's you know sixty percent sugar, so that the 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 energy well, spike. That's not even the worst part of it. 
the stuff they put in it to, to keep the shelf stable is really bad. Here's a frightening thought for you. It, this 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 might replace Vegemite. <laughs> Which one? Vegemite. Vegemite. He has this thing well, about Vegemite. Or, 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 it's, or, it's, or it's British equivalent. Marmite. Marmite. We're working on one of those. We have a we have a what we call a um, umami magic mushroom, uh-huh. sauce, which is like an umami uh, umami, which is what a, basically what a Vegemite is. Uh, Umami type of flavor, intense umami flavor. Um, that'll be coming out next year. Uh huh. Okay. We can hardly, we can hardly wait. Of, yeah. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be full of all the amazing mushrooms that, that are so good for you these days. Get, get, get busy with this product. We love it so much. We need more. <laughs> we need more, more, more. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled a bit for you, Richard. <laughs> All I want to do is sit in the kitchen and make new things, and then uh, you know. But right now, I've got to <clears throat> sell this stuff and get some traction going, and then we'll get some more things out. Right. Well, Thank you so much. Thank we you so love much them. for joining uh, us today. It's it's exciting. Totally I'm excited for you. I'm you know, happy to see you do this, and I think it's going to be a winner. So anyhow, That's good. And good, yeah. good. Good. And, and I'm Thanks glad so it's all healthy, so too. <laughs> yeah, it's all super healthy. You know, be liberal. Squirt it liberally. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, Rashad. Um, all right, Adam. Rashad LaSalle, so it's Health Punk, H-L-T-H-P-U-N-K. And uh, w- watch for the... Uh, you, you have reference to it on your... on tube, uh, website don't you I think I do yes I think you yeah. do that's how I learned about it I think mm. so in the meantime um, consumers can check that out and get yeah. the position you're headed in and, and Amazon uh, has some useful rush content. out and buy it is it's great it's absolutely wonderful <laughs> I'm happy to endorse this Oh, perfect. I'm very, very it's happy. It's so good. You have no idea when we have so many products coming through our door. And mm. <laughs> it's so nice to be able to just absolutely, without any hesitation, totally fall in love with a product and, and happily endorse it. <laughs> it makes me smile. Thank you oh, for talking brilliant. to us, Richard. All right. And I'm Peter. Take care. Yeah, ciao. Bye. Which of these amazing products do you think you might? Try first. We've tried all of them, side by side, and one is better than the next, and the stories are equally fascinating, and all three guys. So we wish them well, and we wish you happiness in sampling their products, and we'll be back, same time, same place next week. And until then... Bye-bye.